Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more movie and nostalgia podcasts, visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, the podcast where we revisit pop culture from our youth to see if it's as good all grown up. We keep saying we're going to change that, and we haven't yet, so I'm still using it. Uh, I'm Jordan Poling-Clark, and with me is my co-host, Kara Gale-O'Regan. Hello. Hi. Uh, and we don't have a guest, because I don't... Do we even do that anymore? I don't know. Sometimes. Uh, all right. <laughs> Look, we're open to it. If you want to come on, let us know, but some whatever i mean this is Uh, mostly just turned into uh, i pick a movie and we watch it and talk about it yeah well okay but so (laughs) it's a little better than that because starting today we're trying themes we're trying a new thing we're gonna have themes for four weeks at a time is that how we planned it out i mean four episodes at a time two episodes at a time because it's like one month oh they're monthly I mean, she loosely. Kara made a calendar. It's beautiful. I swear I read it. Well, I guess uh, for the like the remainder of the summer, it's not one month. It's one episode and one month. So three total episodes. Right. Okay. So anyway, Kara, do you want to tell them what the first theme is? Boatcast. It's boatcast. I'm finally getting Kara's to favorite. live out my secret dream, my not so secret dream of uh, having a podcast about boat movies without fully having to commit to having a podcast about boat movies. I'm so would, excited. It would get really rough after like, I feel like 10 episodes or so. Oh, at, would... Yeah, probably before that even. Um, do you want to tell them what you picked for this? Because you did pick this. Oh, I picked this. All right. I picked Waterworld. She picked Waterworld, which I had never seen before. Uh, I assume you'd seen it, Kara? Uh, many, many times. For some reason, this was like on heavy rotation in my household as a oh, child. Oh, really? We owned it on, we were one of the few people to own it on VHS, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, like, full disclosure, this is not a good movie, but I love it. <laughs> I have a lot to say about that, but first I'm going to try to do the plot, and you'll probably have to help me. Mm, maybe. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know. It was like a nonsense movie, whatever. Yeah, well, okay. the, plot's the reason for that simple. being, well, kind of, but there were 36 different drafts of this movie, which involved six different oh writers, God, so tell. if it gets incoherent at times, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Okay, here's the plot of Waterworld as best as I understood it. It's very far in the future. Everything's melted, so everyone lives in the water. Good so far, right? <laughs> I would say on water, not necessarily in water. <laughs> no, you're, you are right. They don't live in the water because they're still humans. They live on the water, correct. Or okay. are they? Well, well, so we have Kevin Costner, who's the main character, whose name I couldn't tell you. Does he have a name? Uh, he's just referred to as the Mariner. Okay, cool. He doesn't have a name. I didn't miss that. Uh, sometimes I do. Yeah, well, I they do rec- like they refer to him as Mariner, the Mariner. So, but yeah, no, it's not really a name. Um, okay. So, and he's like a loner on the sea, but you can tell he's real good at it. Uh, <laughs> and so, oh god, here's where I'm like stuck already. So, he comes upon this town 
atoll. They're called atolls. Okay, he comes upon an atoll. And Which is basically a town. Get, <laughs> gets in a kerfuffle where he ends up with a woman and a child on his boat. Mm-hmm. Um, only to find out that the child has a map tattooed on her back that shows the way to dry land, which is this mythical place with a very self-explanatory name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so everyone's after them because she's got the map to dry land. Everybody wants to go to dry land. Uh, And that's it, right? That's the plot? Uh, Yeah, but there's this like group of like pirates what are they called the smokers because the they smoke all the time and i asked joey if this is just a very distant sequel to uh the leftovers in which there's this cult that smokes all the time and doesn't talk i think you could you could make some some connections there also might be a very distant sequel to the shape of water which i still haven't seen but i know what um, happens i did see it and I guess, sure. Yeah, Why not? Yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, it's all sorts of things. But yeah, no, the smokers are like this like band of pirates slash kind of cult situation who um, actually make their home on the Exxon Valdez, which for our younger listeners uh, was an oil tanker that was responsible for the largest oil spill in American history, at least up until 2010 when Deepwater Horizon happened. Oh shit, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I worked, that was like, when that happened, that was like, I had just started working at CBS News, and like, that like that was the first like huge thing that happened while oh, I was wow. working there. Wow, I totally, but I was also like working overnight, so it's all like a weird... <laughs> blur of yeah, weird like, fever dream very weird okay anyway. interesting um unfortunately in in the many many versions um a lot got cut out and there's actually a fan cut of the film which i want to see if Is i can it track like 12 down 12 hours long oh god i hope not <laughs> because this okay because this was two hours and 15 minutes yeah long, and you're telling me stuff was cut out yeah um, I mean, there was also, like, a lot of stuff in this that didn't have to be in it. Yeah. Like, I actually feel like that's what most of my notes are, are just things that I thought were funny because they didn't Why have is to this? happen. Why is this? Yeah, because uh, they don't do a great job of, like, world building or explain. Is that what it is? Because, like, so, like, this movie is... This movie is Mad Max. It's the same as Mad Max, except the opposite, right? I, yes, and also the two people that that wound up with their names on the script refused to <laughs> acknowledge that, which I find hilarious. But, like, but yes, this is very like, Mad Max. I, I have so but I've seen when, Fury Road a lot of times, mm-hmm. which is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have seen the. F- like at least one of the Mad Maxes, but it, like in very weird circumstances. So I don't actually remember <laughs> yeah. if it was good or not. I watched it. So I used to intern at the Onion News Network, which I don't even think is a thing anymore. But it was this fantastic video thing that the Onion used to do. Um, so I interned there, and 
while I was interning there, they were doing this thing called Future News, um, which was like basically what would the Onion News Network be if uh, like in a post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. Go look it up. It's still on the internet. It's funny. Okay. Um, but so like I was a research intern and so my whole job was they would be like, we want something that looks like this. Can you watch all this stuff, make clips of it and like give us visual references, whatever. So for future news, I watched like a shit ton of post-apocalyptic <laughs> movies for like wow. hours and hours and hours every day. <laughs> and I, I know I watched Mad Max, but I can't remember if it was good or not. Yeah, I don't know. I have not seen it in a very long time, although I... This watching rewatching Waterworld made me want to go back and revisit that. So me too. That's on the docket. Um, but yeah, there's this fan edit of the film called Waterworld Ulysses Cut, which includes all of the deleted scenes, which explain more about the world and the people who live there, including the smokers' religious beliefs and their ability to refine crude oil. The additional scenes tie up several loose ends in the theatrical release. So. Um, I want to see that just because it's like, I mean, this is the Mariner could be a Marvel character. You know what I mean? And like that, like there's the thing that's so frustrating about this movie is that there's a lot of really interesting ideas here. And like the production design is kind of amazing and the costuming is really, really good. And the the hats, man, the hat work in this movie (laughs) is out of this world. I actually disagree with you like a lot about oh, I know you those, do. those two things. I just like it made me have the same feeling that Hook made me I, have. I said like, out loud, this is a very brown movie. Jordan's not gonna be happy. <laughs> it's really brown. So brown, yeah. Like for and for a movie that takes place on the water too. Like why yeah. is it so brown? Well, um, I mean in a lot of ways, like the open ocean is itself a desert at least for like creatures that live on land you know what i mean so it's no and that that makes sense yeah and and it still looked like everything was made out of cardboard and foam (laughs) yeah and like okay the first time okay the first time i laughed really 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 hard was when It was like, it's happening again now. It's like a Keanu Reeves hot dog moment that I had, and I'm having it again now. So it's going to be hard for me to get through this without crying. I'm sorry. Oh, please. I can't wait to hear what this is. (laughs) It's not not even good. It's not even good. It just made me laugh so hard that I had to stop the movie, laugh, go back and watch it again. So there's like this Is it at the very beginning of the movie or like further into it? It's, it was so I also okay, I can do this. I um I watched this movie in four parts. Um <laughs> I watched I watched the first six minutes and then got really distracted and was like, Oh shit, I have to go to bed. I didn't watch Waterworld. And um So the next day, I watched another hour of it, and that I had to tap out after an hour. And then the next day, I watched another hour of it, and then the next day, I watched the last, like, five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, that's how I had to do it. 
Okay, I can do this, though. I can describe this hat to you. I can do this. <laughs> I love that it's hat-related. <laughs> okay, so the first time I died laughing was because, well, I guess it was probably a smoker. I don't know. It was in the first, like, ten minutes in the movie. Um, had a hat that looks like a like a strainer, like a metal oh, like strainer. a colander. Like a colander. And it looks like there's spaghetti coming out of it. <laughs> spaghetti coming out of the colander. Interesting. <laughs> Which is not as funny as I think it is, but... Oh my gosh. Okay. I can do this. <laughs> so, that's... So, you're talking about hats. That's actually the only one that I noticed, but, like, it was a big deal for me. Yeah. Sounds like right. it. I can do it. I made it through that. My glasses are back on. I'm not crying anymore. <laughs> they actually had a specialty milliner to make the hats who is part of the wardrobe department, which made me happy because like, I, I love a hat. I love a jaunty hat. But <laughs> wait, we're going to come back to that because I didn't even notice any of the other hats. Oh my god, there's so many good ones. But I have to complain one more time because the costumes to me too lo- just looked like they didn't have an editor. Like mm. it was like someone was like, add that. Oh, we have this. Add that. Like add that. They just, it was too much. Like it was just, it was silly. And if, yeah. like, if, if they had gone farther and it was like silly on purpose it would have been fun mm-hmm. but i don't think well it i was think that's silly on purpose the whole problem with this movie is that it takes itself way too seriously <laughs> um so one of the like early ideas for it the original screenplay by peter raider was pitched as a children's adventure film and his screenplay the mariner was a human and the chief defender of the atoll whose embarrassing secret was that he enjoyed painting pictures of seahorses <laughs> i love that um and he- helen had two of her own children along with the adopted inola and the deacon was a campy silly villain who dressed up like King Trident sat atop a throne on the Exxon Valdez and punished his subordinates by slapping them around in, a face, in the face with a wet fish. Uh, <laughs> subsequent rewrites by David Toohey and Joss Whedon turned the original script into a much more serious action-adventure Whoa, film. Oh, Joss Whedon did one on rewrites? He was one of six people who worked on the film and actually was uh, flown out to the set at like the last minute to do a bunch of rewrites and called it Seven Weeks in Hell. Um, so that's interesting. Can you? I don't, oh, okay, wait. Before we even... Let's go back to the hats. What was your mm-hmm. favorite hat? Oh, I don't know if I could pick one. I just, like, describe one, because I really don't remember any other hats. Okay. I just Googled Waterworld hats. Um, Not a lot comes up, but the people on the atoll have these, like, interesting... They look like... I don't know what kind of hats they are, but they're from Asia. Um... And they're like a big wide brimmed hat. I just like that people are just making shit out of like whatever they have around, you know? Yeah, they definitely are. And that's. But really, they only had brown things around? <laughs> <laughs> 
everything's just like old and dirt like all of the the things yeah, it's that dirty. people have is just like old and dirty yeah yeah, yeah I, I get i mean i get why you don't like it uh but i enjoyed it um <clears throat> this must have been a nightmare to make Can oh you imagine my god on the water like that and There's... trying to shoot it this like this is why I love boat movie. Well, this is one of the mo- reasons that I love boat movies is that by all accounts, making anything that involves water is a nightmare. <laughs> like whether you're doing it like in a big water tank on a back lot somewhere, or you're doing it on the open ocean. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about this I think with Titanic that like it's just always a nightmare. Jaws was a nightmare. This was a nightmare to That's make like all i could think um, for a lot of it yeah there was even at one point i think it's when the smokers are like storming the atoll i was like laughing hysterically like this looks so fucking dangerous like, <laughs> it's truly shocking that no one died while they were while they shot this um i have some some factoids about what a nightmare this was neither the 1000 metric ton floating set nor any of the 30 boats used by the cast and crew had bathrooms oh no so filming had to stop so people could be ferried to portable toilets on a barge anchored near the shore so that's oh, one thing no. um the 1000 ton floating set used up all of the available steel in the Hawaiian islands uh, because they shot this in Hawaii Uh, and so when more was required it had to be flown in from California and therefore it was like that much more expensive Um, I love this one the studio didn't spend any money researching weather patterns off Hawaii's Kona coast where the film was shot if they had they would have learned that the area is subject to 45 mile per hour winds which constantly blew the set out of position and ruined shots how many people were not doing their jobs like (laughs) in pre-production like filming shut down doing three times due to hurricane alerts uh, oh, Kevin Costner nearly died when he got caught in a squall while tied to the mess to the mast of his trimaran. So the boat that he has, it's like a catamaran, but it has three holes instead of two, and that's called a trimaran. Mm-hmm. And he almost died. Uh, and then Tina Majorino, the little girl, and what is the lady's name? Jean Triplehorn. Jean Triplehorn. Yeah, they uh, almost died on the first day of shooting uh when the trimaran that they were on sank and like pulled them with um uh kevin costner's stunt double was washed out to sea and several extras nearly drowned and i think that's all of the like things people almost died factoids that i could find but i feel like it was probably even more than that because just like certain points of watching this i was just like oh my god this looks dangerous <laughs> um but uh kevin costner personally invested 22 million dollars of his own money into this film uh Why? well 
who knows, really. But he was put up at a cost of $4,500 a night in an oceanfront <laughs> villa with a butler's chef and his own private swimming pool, while in contrast, crew members were forced to live in uninsulated condominiums that were subject to temperature swings of up to 50 degrees. This inequity of accommodations contributed to onset hostility and low morale. Um, so I don't know if he was just paying for like his accommodations or what, but he like really wanted to make this movie and insisted that his friend, Kevin Reynolds, be given the director's position or he would quit. Uh, and then later, the two of them had a falling out over the film's direction and either Kevin Costner fired Kevin Reynolds or Kevin Reynolds just walked off set like two weeks before the end of shooting. Um, saying that Kevin should only start movies he directs. That way he can work with his favorite actor and his favorite director. So Kevin Costner sounds like a nightmare. He, I was like trying to think, like, first of all, the acting in this is terrible. Yeah, it's not great. He's terrible. Every person in this is terrible. Um, Dennis Hopper gets really good toward the end, but for the most part, it's not great. Yeah. He is, like, the most, like, unhinged, which mm-hmm. is why he gets kind of great towards the end. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, like, still filled with snot from when I was crying before. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, uh, but so I was trying to think of, like, what else I have seen Kevin Costner in. Oh, my and God. The answer is so much stuff. almost nothing. That's crazy. Because he was huge at this time. I know. I haven't seen I, I know I've seen Dances with Wolves. That's him, right? Yep. But I don't remember a single thing about it. He... And, like, looking at his filmography, I haven't seen anything else. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, well, he was in uh, that serious Robin Hood movie that came up when we were talking about um, The Princess Bride. So not Men in Tights, but, like, the real Robin Hood movie. Prince of Thieves. Prince of Thieves. That's it. Uh, he was in The Bodyguard. He had that golf movie, Tin Cup. Um, apparently he was in a movie about Wyatt Earp that I've never seen nor heard of, and he did wind up uh, getting a chance to direct himself in a post-apocalyptic movie in 1997 called The Postman, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting, maybe I'll watch that, but that one is three hours long, so that's never gonna happen. I bet it's not interesting either. Yeah, probably not, because it's just him, like, wandering around by himself. Um, he also uh, allegedly insisted that the visual effects artist uh, hide his receding hairline <laughs> digitally, <laughs> which was not a cheap thing to do in 1995. Um, so this movie actually wound up being the most expensive in film history, at least until Titanic was made a couple years later. And it's like used a lot of times, I feel like, as shorthand for like, terrible movie you know yeah that like but it's i don't know i don't think it's actually as bad as people think it is i think it's an like an okay movie it's not great i think like if i was gonna sit down and watch it with a bunch of friends and like drink some beers and like laugh at it it would be really fun yeah it wasn't that fun to watch yeah. Well, that's not true. I did laugh a lot, but it was it was hard to watch alone. Yeah. Well, like I said before, I think it would have been so much better if it didn't take itself as seriously because 
literally the first scene in the movie is Kevin Costner drinking his own piss, which That's is the funniest shit first... in the world. I was like, the, I, it says, ah, the first thing is that he drinks his own pee. <laughs> That's my note. Which I don't think was possible when this movie was made, but now it is. We have the technology. Also, you can indeed drink your own piss. My question is, he's got all this fancy technology that he... Did he make it? What I don't Who understand. Who knows where it came from? It's, Either he so, made it, or he bartered for it, or, spoiler alert, he found it at the bottom of the ocean, because he's actually a fish man who can swim all the way down there. I have questions about that in a <laughs> Okay. Um, but, so, he, he has a way to drink his own pee, mm-hmm. which is, like, one sip, <laughs> just getting recycled over and over again. It wasn't a lot of pee. Yeah. Um... Couldn't he have just, like, found a way to use, like, all the other water that's around him? Like, if he can, if he you can mean, like, change his own pee to be Desalinate the water? I think for some reason that's harder, but I don't, I, I don't I understand the science behind it. I probably is harder. Yeah. But. Also, if he was desalinating the water that's all around him, they wouldn't have had that opening scene of him drinking his own piss. Which I know is something it that really endears like, this movie to my heart. Not, like, not only was he drinking his own piss, like it was like the movie opens, you know, on like a wide shot of the water, whatever. Cool, I get it. We're in the water. And then like the next thing that immediately happens is just like they zoom in. He's like he's like dead center of the shot and they're just like zooming in on his butt for like too long. And, like, immediately you're like, oh, he's peeing. So you're just looking at his butt while he pees for too long. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's what this movie is going to be? Like, I can't. Yeah. And then, do you want to know my next note after that? Yes, please. In all caps, four roll for no reason, which he does. It was another thing that I rewound. I wrote this down. (laughs) I was going to ask you about this because I was like, that seems like an unnecessary somersault. It was so unnecessary. And I was just curious, like, is that a more efficient way to get his body no, over the actually, net? Actually, I actually think, I actually think doing a forward roll the way he did was is a lot harder. If he had done, if he had like tucked his arm to the side and done like mm-hmm. a side roll, that would have been efficient. But the way he does it is like so stupid. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you noticed that too. I'm so glad that a normal person noticed that. That means it's real. Yeah. Um, There are some uh, images in this movie that are, like, burned into my brain forever. And I don't even think that I really was aware of them or, like, knew that this is where they were from. But, like, wet Kevin Costner with a knife in his mouth is, like, really... (laughs) indelible image in my mind and also the guy down in the oil pit on the Exxon Valdez he's like in a rowboat down there and his job is just to like yell up and tell them how much oil they have left I don't remember that guy oh hang on let me send you um water world I don't even know what to search for water world oil guy guy in tanker yeah, um, while is. you're looking, can I ask you a question about how he's a fish man? Yes. So it's not until, like, as far as I could tell, it's not until 22 minutes into the movie that somebody is like, you're a fish man. Is that right? Like, yeah, I should have so. picked up on that earlier, right? I mean, there are, like, 
indications like he is underwater for a really long time you know like there are like maybe oh, I didn't some even notice that yeah that was weird no of course not because they don't do a great job of it but um no, I think it kind of like builds to that, and then they figure but out. But then, that he but has then skills. when they say it, it's not like it doesn't play like some huge revelation. It's right. just like some guy saying it. Well, yeah, they freak out because he's a mutant, but like he doesn't look like a mutant. He doesn't. A, he doesn't look like. Well, the term mutant is problematic, but it is what they use in this movie, so I'm just gonna go with it. But um, they also like don't establish that like anyone else isn't a mutant because for all we know. All of these people are mutants. You know what they I mean? all look the same. The only time I can remember when he looks different is like a lot later when you see his feet. And yeah, it looks like they have. It looks like they he just have like feet. plastic yeah. wrap on them. Um, Not good webbed feet. Yeah, I don't know. I just they didn't really like establish that like being a mutant is a necessarily like bad thing or like what I don't or know. a different thing or like right. Yeah. I'm still looking for a picture of the guy. But when the Exxon Valdez blows up, he sees, like, you see him see the flames and they, like, are reflected in his round glasses and he says, oh, thank God. And it's just, like, him against a dark background. I was just mad at that part because, like, they would all be dead. And they weren't. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For and sure. I was like, I was um, mad also about it they're they were on all a... just still standing on the deck of the ship. Yeah, they're also I don't they're all on an oil tanker or smoking cigarettes constantly. <laughs> uh, would probably not go well sooner. Um I just sent you a picture oh. of that guy. Do you recognize him now? Oh. <laughs> That's not what I was picturing at all. <laughs> and then here is Wait, that's not the same guy that picked them up in the airplane, is it? No, that was Jack Black. No, it wasn't. The seaplane guy? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's a different guy. I did see that Jack Black was in this, and I totally missed it. He's at the end. He's the pilot of the seaplane. Like, he's one of the smokers. But the guy Mm -hmm. that you're talking about was from the Atoll and was friends with Helen. Who has the worst name in this movie? Helen? Yeah. She's just the only person that has, like, a normal name. Okay. Let's talk about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Helen's relationship with the... What's his... What are we calling him? The Mariner. The Mariner. Um, Was so gross. It was so gross. (laughs) Like, I just couldn't... I couldn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it much. Like um, she thinks she like she's like forced to beg for her life like a thousand times. Her and this kid, mm-hmm. she's forced to basically thank him for not raping her mm-hmm. more than once. He cuts off all of her hair, which it's is super very scary. violent. Yeah, he I, throws upsetting. the child in the water, and I still am supposed to want them to fall in love at the end. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Because he teaches the kid to swim. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah, that's a. Uh... I, I didn't really appreciate it was that. So upsetting. Um, but Enola, the little girl, I think, is a cool character and probably should have been like the main character instead of the mariner. This is I feel like we see this come up a lot in these movies where like 
yeah. they make the the like the strong white guy the protagonist when like you watch the movie and you're like oh no 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 it should have been that other person right yeah I mean it it should have been literally anyone else in the movie <laughs> <laughs> right no, because if you make the movie cool about the, the little girl yeah definitely it would have been great um but also I think the deacon would make for a really interesting main character and just like explore that world of the smokers more um not Helen though she seems boring which is too bad. Yeah, she she could have been cool. Because if you look at like her and we compare her to like uh, what's her name from Mad Max? Furiosa is that her name in Mad Max? Yeah. Um, you know, you actually have like a woman who's written really strong in a post-apocalyptic movie. It's just like it's upsetting now to yeah. watch anything else. Yeah, true. Um, but also, I feel like this is a real like just. I mean, I'm sure that everyone else who was in, who had their fingers in this script like probably didn't uh do well by the, by the women but Joss Whedon has a kind of checkered history of how he writes women characters mm-hmm. like on the one hand a lot of times they're like badass like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and like but then there's always like this like other side to it where you're like what the why did no, why? Y'all must have it, and they fucked it up. <laughs> I can't think of any specific examples of that right now, but I think Helen and her relationship to the Mariner kind of are a good example of that in this movie. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, and they like another thing that happened between them that made me go like ew, and also laugh really hard was like. There was a part where he had to breathe for her. Oh my god. <laughs> so he's like he like literally breathes into her mouth, I guess, so uh-huh. that she can breathe. And they tried to make it romantic, like they were kissing <laughs> or something, but like it was gross. <laughs> uh yeah, that's another thing that's burned into my brain forever. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. Um the deacon that was the guy with no eye right yeah his i think my favorite part of the movie was well one when they first reveal or like one of the first times they reveal that he has no eye like to me again it just looked like well he starts out with two eyes in the movie how does he lose it i i checked out when something blows up yeah the mariner blows Um, up something that he's on um but so, like, they do this reveal of, like, him having no eye, and it's gross. Mm-hmm. But also, it looks like one of those, like, you know when they, like, make art by melting crayons? Yeah. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah. Are Just, you like, talking about when they put crayon. the fake eye in? No, that's what I'm that? getting to, because that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. Um. So so then, his one of his dudes makes him a fake eye that's, like, huge and gross looking. <laughs> And like barely in his eye socket um and it all that just made me laugh really 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 hard like it's like something like that where i look at it and i'm like oh if this whole movie was like this uh, yeah. this would be a great movie it'd well, be really like creepy and surreal yeah and i think so many of the deacon scenes kind of give you a taste of that and then you're like but why wasn't this the movie yeah um because i think that's like when his character starts getting good is yeah. with that 
Because at first, like, in the first few scenes, he's just really phoning it in. And, uh... But then, like, he seems more engaged. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I don't even... Because he still has two eyes then. Yeah. And I don't even remember him with two eyes. Yeah. Um, I want... Um, so this... Uh, there was a thing at Universal Studios... Oh, my goodness. ...based on this, right? Uh, I didn't say it yet, but yeah. I I was <laughs> going to get to it eventually. But... I, and I don't... I don't... Because it's not at the one in Florida, right? No, it... Actually, there's three of them. One at Universal Studios Hollywood one at Universal Studios in Japan, and one at Universal Studios in Singapore. Apparently, it's a huge hit, and it's called Waterworld, a live SeaWorld Spectacular. <laughs> a live SeaWorld Spectacular? Nope, that came out wrong. A live Sea War Spectacular. <laughs> That's better. That's better. It doesn't yeah. make more sense, oh. really, but it's better. <laughs> um... Um, and apparently, for like their Halloween Horror Nights for a couple of years, they did a version called Slaughter World, where um, oh. it was like a adults-only, kind of uh, darker, sexier humor, uh, more violent. And uh, the deacon in that one is actually a woman who is on a mission to make an all-female utopia by cutting off uh, men's dicks. I'm not sure. I listened to a podcast <laughs> about the live show. Um, I didn't... Apparently, they're on YouTube. I haven't gotten a chance to watch them. Oh, like you but... can watch the show on YouTube? Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I would have if I had uh, budgeted my time better. <laughs> um, I felt like I had been to this, but like I've never been to any of those Universal Studios. They must just have something that's like it at the one in Florida. Oh, maybe. I've been to um, the one in the Hollywood one, but I don't think I saw this. But the the people in the podcast that I was listening to, um, I think it's called Podcast the Ride. It's about like theme park rides. I don't know. Not my not a place where my interest lies. But um, what was I gonna say? Oh no. Something about the live show. Yeah. Oh, they posited that like more people have probably seen the live show than have seen. I mean, cause the source that, material. Well, when did the live show open? It must have been. It must be. Yeah, it's like, been like twenty years that it's been around. Yeah, right? yeah, and um, apparently it's like very popular, and people still like go to see it all the time. So, I think it's interesting that Waterworld exists in our culture. Uh, and so many people like haven't actually seen it, but they know that they know things about, like they know weird things about it because of like how it's been joked about in the culture, and also because of this weird mm-hmm. live sea war spectacular. Here's what I think somebody needs to make is a water world themed obstacle course. Ooh. Where like the smokers are chasing you mm-hmm. and you're like climbing a bunch of nets and like you're in the water. It's like that's basically what all the chase scenes in this are, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, sure. Why not? It would it wouldn't be my, my choice. It wouldn't be how I would choose to have fun. Uh, but sure. I'm sure that would be fun for people. And interactive. Yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, can you turn Waterworld into a circus show? 
Um, I can sure try. Let's okay. see. You got three main characters. You got Kevin Costner. Ugh. I really think <laughs> it's barely a circus joke. Ugh, ugh, ugh. It's more of like a um, like a. It's a dance show. Mm-hmm. Waterworld is a dance show. Yes. Oh my god, a hundred percent here for this. <laughs> You have these, like, but it, it has that set, you know, like, it has, uh-huh. it has, like, the obstacle course set, so they're climbing it, and they're swinging on it, so, like, it has an acrobatic element, uh-huh. but it's not a circus show. Okay. Because, like, the smokers, you know, like, they come in, and they do all these big dance pieces, and, like... Oh, my God. Yeah. Somebody yeah, yeah. give us several million dollars so we can pull this <laughs> off, because I love this I idea. I mean, we can just find, like, the pieces of their old set, right? And just... <laughs> Well, I feel like we'd also have to get some of the costuming, you know, like the the costumes are really what, we what just, makes this movie. Yeah, but if we just start digging through the garbage, right, now, sewing things together. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. I've I've made costumes out of less, certainly. Yeah, just start saving all your plastic, put, put it in dirt. It has to be very brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, if the so let's say. The Mariner, and then Helen and Enola as like a dance duo, and then the Smokers as like a dance gang. What, like, do they have any like signature dances or signature styles that they do? Like, is the Mariner a tap dancer? Or, (laughs) oh, I like that. I would not, I would have actually said that it's a ballet. Okay. But I kind of like that he would be a tap dancer. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I, I like Enola as a tap dancer, actually. Oh, yeah. She could do, like, a cute little Shirley Temple thing. Yeah. Man, I love tap dancing. Um, what would the... Make the whole thing a tap show. <laughs> I mean, you could. And I would enjoy every second of it. But I feel like mixing dance styles would be the most successful. Like, the smokers would have their own thing. Maybe, like, a hip-hop, modern dance... Thing. I think that no, I don't think they're hip hop. I think that they're like a like a ballet modern combo. Okay. Okay. What about the Mariner? I don't know cuz I don't like him. I don't I don't even care if he's in it. <laughs> Let me think. Styles of dance. <laughs> I love that one of the things that came out was the Charleston. I could just see him doing the Charleston by himself. <laughs> or he could be a pole dancer. Nah. Helen's a pole dancer. <laughs> they could tango together. Oh, she's a pole dancer, and, like, she cuts her own hair off oh, while like she does more. her pole dance. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's yeah. Like a, um, it's like a, you know, it's like a... She finds herself in that moment. Yeah. We're, we're flipping it. Oh, my God. I love it. He doesn't do that to her. Yeah. I guess, well, the Mariner would probably be, like, straight ballet, mostly. And then yeah, that the is two of them could, of I could tango. I, I think that the smokers are doing, like, a real, like, Bob Fosse, like, mm-hmm. jazz hands. Yes. Like. Yes. Well, I... I in my mind, I'm thinking about, like, the sharks and the jets from West Side Story. Yeah, me too. But snazzier yeah (laughs) with cigarettes (laughs) oh my god this is this sounds so fun somebody should definitely make this 
No, but instead they're making like Clueless on Broadway. And like, what's there's another one that I just heard about that I was angry about. <laughs> okay, so here's the pitch. Waterworld, but with dance. <laughs> I think. Oh man, and and green light okay. that. What if we had like a billion dollars? Here's you also mm-hmm. like custom build, you know, like a water set. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Have I ever told you about um, one of my favorite things that's from a show called Fuerza Bruta? I don't think so. So because I've never heard those sh- words before. <laughs> Great. Okay. So it's a show that mostly happens above your head. Like you walk into this big room and you're just standing up the whole time. Um, and so they do like bungee like all around the walls and they have this like crazy like treadmill stage that they're just like running on and you're just looking up the whole time. And so then there's one part where they drape like I don't know what it's made out of, but essentially like a huge plastic tarp over your head and fill it with like a few inches of water and then the dancers are like barely clothed and like running and sliding around in it over your head and they're like looking down at you and then they're playing and it's just like so beautiful so if we could where? get that in it too that'd be good yeah what is how do you I'll where send, do you see I'll that send you, i'll send you a video it definitely okay. it, the show was, was in the city like eight years ago or something it doesn't exist anymore oh it was incredible really though and it's my dream to do it myself one day mm-hmm that's cool. Um, anyway. Also, there's a monster in this. Is there? Like, super randomly. Well, like, you only see it one time because they eat it, right? Um, like, those, like, the underwater monster? I don't recall. I was very loosely paying attention. I was hoping that you watched this part. No, well, I think they're they like, just caught a fish. No, there's like a giant monster. And then they're like, and then later, they're like, they're in the water and they're like, oh, but the monsters. And he's like, don't worry, they're asleep. And I'm like, really? That's, they're asleep? Oh, wow. There is a monster. Um, <laughs> okay, you've seen this movie a lot, and you didn't even remember the monster. That's a problem. I don't even remember it while I'm looking at it. Like, I've never <laughs> seen this before. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, no, I thought they just, like, fished and caught a big fish that no, they had it was a hard a time. monster. Wow. Wow, and, like, wow, it wow. only appears one time. Yeah. They reference it, like, one scene later, and then nobody talks again about how there are terrifying monsters in the water. Interesting. <laughs> That's wild. Cause Who was like, yeah, no, 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 keep that part in. <laughs> wow. Okay. Cool. <laughs> There's one part where... um. Uh, Helen goes to talk to the mariner and it's like in the nighttime, I think and she stands right in front of a fan that blows her hair around like Beyonce style for the entire scene it's very silly well she is on a boat 
I mean, yeah, but it's like it's wind. like it, it looks like it's placed right there. Just no, they're not. But they're not on the. I think they're be- below. Like it's not the wind. It's a fan oh. <laughs> blowing her hair around. <laughs> Interesting. You can see the fan in the shot. Like it's part of the boat, but like it genuinely looks like it's placed there just for that purpose. And yeah, she stands in front of it just for that purpose. So many interesting choices made so in this movie. Silly. I went on a boat this weekend. It was very Again? exciting. Yeah, uh, there is this artist and some other folks that he works with. Um, uh, an artist named Wes Modes or Modus, mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, and his current partner named Benzi, they are traveling the rivers of the United States on a handmade shanty boat, which is like, think of like a tiny house, but in boat form and from mm-hmm. the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are like gathering oral histories of the people who live and work on the rivers of the United States and so they were coming on down the Hudson and they docked in Haverstraw which is is somewhat near where I live and where I spent a ton of time on a boat as a kid Mm -hmm. Uh, and I went and I visited their boat and it was extremely cool but it was also extremely the water was so choppy I I mean I was fine I actually like I don't really get seasick but as soon as I got back on land much like Kevin Costner at the end of this movie, also spoiler alert, uh, felt super land sick afterwards. Land sickness. Yeah. Just because the the boat was like moving and it's a really small boat too. So it's like extra movie. Um, yeah. I got really nauseous after I got back on land, mm. but it's really cool. Their project is really cool. You can find that it. That does at sound cool. People's river history. Us. They have a art show coming up in uh, New York City on July 26th at the White Box Art Space in New York City. I think it's on the Lower East Side. So check them out. See if they're floating through your town. I don't know. It was cool. I um, I don't know if I like boats or boat movies. Oh no. We're going to find out. Well, you we like Titanic? Um, That's a boat yeah. movie. That's a big boat movie. I like Titanic. Cause, but it's... I, uh, they're mostly on the ship, though. Until the Which boat's sinking. Which is a sinking. boat. <laughs> no, 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 I understand. <laughs> In this movie, though, it, there's a lot more water. Yeah. Like, because I... I'm because uh, I do get seasick like pretty easily. Oh, and I wonder if that's why. Like I don't like watching moving water, but I also do like being on boats as long as I'm not seasick when I'm on them. Yeah, well, the bigger a boat is, the more like the better luck you'll have if you get seasick. Um, no, you know what? It's unless not it's that. too I big. Don't, and that, I don't like being weird. on boats, but I really, really like water. So it's like you have to deal with the boat because you want the water. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're going to learn more because we're doing more boat movies. Yeah. Being on the shanty boat reminded me of my secret dream of living in a houseboat. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I would love to. Because I love sleeping on a boat, mm-hmm. getting rocked to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as it's not like a squall outside. <laughs> uh, yeah. But we'll, we'll find out. 
more about you and your relationship to boats in upcoming mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. And you'll teach me more about boats. <laughs> sure. Maybe I'll grow fond of them. Maybe. Maybe. Hang on. Let me see if I have a boat fact that I can transition to. Oh. <laughs> um, so Kevin Costner uh, went on Letterman like shortly before the film was released and said that one of the worst aspects of the production was that his character had to look wet during the shoot. Like, And he really is wet through the entire movie. Uh, but may I for a second? He's not. I mean, maybe this is just my taste, but like... <laughs> When Leonardo DiCaprio gets wet, he gets hotter. Right. Kevin Costner doesn't. Yeah, I agree. Um, His hair was also, like, felt incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. Poor hair choices for everyone in this movie. Um, But to achieve the effect of him looking wet constantly, uh, Costner was required to be doused with buckets of water between takes while wearing the Mariner's costume. And he said that while he recognized that the crew were only doing their job and they were friends of his, getting hit with water every few minutes really tried his patience with them. I mean, yeah, like, no no matter what the reason, can you imagine that? Like, I would would lose my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because as much as I enjoy boats and the water, I actually don't like being wet. (laughs) Maybe between the two of us. If you put us both together, it would be great. Yeah. On the boat, on the water. But, like, I I think I would lose my mind if I was, like, constant. Because, I mean, it's one thing to, like jump into water or you know even a bit of a refreshing spray when you're on the deck of a boat but like getting dunked on like literal dunked on you know yeah I mean it just sounds like getting like assaulted by the water yeah I would not be okay with that but maybe that's how they got him back for those cushy accommodations that he had yeah because at the end of the day, no matter how how it. wet he was, he could go home to a butler and chef. Um, the cost of the massive atoll floating set was $22 million, which is pretty crazy, uh, which also happens to be the same amount that Kevin Costner invested of his own money into the movie, although I do not think there is a connection between those two things. Um, um, where do you think it is now? I think I have a fact about that, but from, you see an overhead shot of the atoll, and it's designed to look like a horseshoe crab, which is kind of cool. Um, let's see. Oh, I missed somebody else who almost died. Stunt coordinator Norman Howell got hit with compression sickness, which I think is like the opposite of the bends. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure exactly what that is. Uh, During filming of an underwater scene and was rushed to a hospital in Honolulu via helicopter. He recovered fairly quickly from the potentially life-threatening sickness and returned to set a couple days later. Uh, Also, Tina Majorino was nicknamed Jellyfish Candy by the crew after she was stung three different times by the jellyfish during production, which sucks because jellyfish stings are terrible. Oh, okay. I don't know about the atoll. I did not find any 
information on what happened to it after filming, but the 112-foot model of the Exxon Valdez sat abandoned in the Mojave Airport airplane scrapyard until August 2015, when it was partially stripped to be repurposed as set decoration for Wasteland Weekend. I don't know what that is. What's Wasteland Weekend? I don't know. Let's find out. Oh no, it's a music festival. Yikes. Wait, so that's what happened to the boat? <laughs> to the boat that the smokers had, the big boat. That's funny. That's yeah. weird. Okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like a Mad Max themed music festival i don't know i don't like f festivals of any kind <laughs> <laughs> they're all engineered to uh be a complete nightmare so the theme of wasteland weekend draws heavily from apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic fiction especially mad max franchise and requires all attendees to wear appropriately themed clothing and the early years of Wasteland Weekend was subtitled Mad Max Fun in the California Sun. I'm sure they had to stop using that for copyright reasons. And other influences include the Fallout series of video games. Interesting. Oh man, my... Um... I think it's just like, maybe not a music festival, but like LARPing post-apocalyptic stuff. Okay, sure. Still not my idea of a fun weekend. Well, I sent you a gift to cheer you up. I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of wet Leonardo DiCaprio gifts. <laughs> he also, like, loses five years when he gets wet. <laughs> I think... Yeah, well, I think most people look younger when they're wet because they just look more vulnerable in general. I was at the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C. a couple years ago, and they had this um, career retrospective show of a video artist, Bill Viola. And there was this one piece that I found really moving. It was like in a small dark room by itself with a bench so you could just sit there and watch it. And it's just video of a bunch of people standing at a bus stop and like more people walk up and they're all just standing there and they're standing there. And then this jet of water from I guess like a fire hose or something like that start spraying them and they all start like falling down and it's like really upsetting but then the water <laughs> stops and they help each other all get back up again but they're all wet and everyone just looks really vulnerable um it was like really moving and mm. i i'm not sure why but i think like seeing people get sprayed with water like that like it also conjures you know images of like the civil rights era and stuff like mm -hmm. that and at the time there was a lot of stuff in the news about uh refugee boats capsizing in the mediterranean and stuff so i was just thinking 
a lot about why am I talking about this? How did we get here? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm imagining it, and I it's interesting. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, it was his work was really interesting, and when I am standing up for too long, I get really sweaty. It's just a weird <laughs> thing my body does. So I was sitting there, and there was like an air conditioning vent like directly above the bench, and it felt like I too was getting sprayed with water. So it was a really immersive experience, although I don't think it was specifically <laughs> designed to be that way. Um, I like um, the thing that happens, like, when something, like, unexpected like that happens to mm-hmm. a group of people who don't know each other. Yeah. Like, and they have to, like, be together and, like, help each other all of a sudden. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I, I, I read the artist explanation of it after the fact, and his approach with this piece was to show the people helping each other. And, like, at that time, all I was saying was, like, these people being sprayed with water for no reason. <laughs> Why is this happening? It's very upsetting. Um, but his approach to it was a little more uplifting. Uh, though widely called a box office bomb upon its release, even nicknamed Kevin's Gate after the Heaven's Gate Massacre, uh, and Fishtar after Ishtar, which apparently was, I don't know, I've never seen that. I'm familiar with the word never seen the movie <laughs> oh look i've never seen uh, either. warren Beatty and dustin hoffman who knew uh but i think that was like another really expensive movie that like didn't quite go the way it was supposed to um but the film actually eventually did turn a profit it cost 235 million dollars to produce and market and grossed 264 million dollars uh worldwide in 1995 of which approximately 55 percent 145 million went to the studio and remainder to theaters um as of 2013 the film had actually earned a profit of eight million dollars from video sales and television licensing so how about that apparently it was like much bigger overseas like it did that much makes better. sense though like i feel like a lot of action movies that don't make mm-hmm. sense do a lot better overseas because <laughs> They're just, they want the action. Yeah. It's, they don't speak English anyway. Like it's And there's a lot of action in this movie. Uh, some of it is great, and then some of it is like, mm, what's happening here? But I think it's fun. It was fine. For me, it was like there was too much of it. Like, mm-hmm. they, there was too much action in place of, like, plot details. Right. Which would have been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't need another action scene. I still don't know what's going on. And but we spent all these mo- all this money forward. on these cool jet skis. We have to use them somehow. Yeah, I don't care. I know some people do care about that though. So, cool. Okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, I I really I enjoy action movies a lot, and um, I can't always watch them because of my migraines. Like mm-hmm. things that are flashy or like too fast cuts and stuff like that can like trigger migraines but this one actually (laughs) was like perfect for my brain (laughs) um i like i mean like obviously i can like action movies because of how much i like the fast and furious movies Mm -hmm. but like i like those because they tend to do things that i've never seen before right and they tend to like escalate in a way that's really fun it, they feel they feel creative to me and they feel like like well thought out and someone was like 
oh yeah 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 let's do this batshit crazy thing and then a guy next to him was like oh yeah 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 yeah. no i got this crazier thing and then they're like let's do it you know what would be cool yeah and then they do and they don't and they don't use cg like they actually do it like um so like that kind of thing i can get into but like something like this after like the first action scene it all just looks the same to me Mm-hmm. Ugh, and now I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but like, like I don't care for superhero movies like at all. Mm-hmm. I couldn't care less that they exist. Um, but every once in a while, I'll you watch. Pick the wrong time to be alive. <laughs> I know. Um, I I'm not a fan of them either. I mean, I'm not like anti action or anti superhero. I'm just like again with the superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did see, I saw Black Panther and I liked it, mm-hmm. but like it suffered from a thing that like I realized like more and more like is a big problem for me and it's that the action moves so fast and you it's can't in see such it. high quality. Yeah. That I can't yeah. see it. I also like, My brain problem. actually can't process it. I can't yeah. remember if we've talked about this before. We have not, but I agree and I have the same problem. Like, it makes me feel like an old lady or something. Like, are young people's brains, like, just, like, different? Can they see it? I don't know. I mean, I can't even really go to see movies in the theater for the most part anymore because I just, they're, the, like, the modern cinema-going experience, again, like, again, it's just, like, engineered to try and kill me. Yeah. Um, but I I find especially watching it, this kind of like super fast action on larger screens is even harder mm-hmm. for my brain to take in than if I was to watch it on like a much smaller screen. Um, but yeah, there's so much in movies that I just miss either because it's happening too fast and I can't see it or because I actually have to close my eyes because there's too many flashing <laughs> lights or yeah. whatever, which is a real problem as somebody who does deeply love science fiction. Yeah. And J.J. Abrams is always like, look at me, look how many lens flares I like to use. He does do that. We need to get you, like, like glasses that tone it down. I mean, I can wear sunglasses, you know, and I have done that in movie theaters. Like, does it work? Not really. Um, and we keep the brightness of our TV all the way down. Mm-hmm. And I use, like, a blue light filter on my computer and on my phone. So, like, there are things that I can do to, like, make it less bad, um, but it's it's hard. And that's just, like, what, like, one extremely specific and probably not very applicable to other people accessibility problem with going to see movies in the theater, and there are so many. Like, wheelchair accessible seating is always in a shitty place, like, right in front of the screen, um... Like, that everything's too loud also, so that's a problem. And, like, just, they don't, they refuse to put captions on the screen. They don't offer audio description, oh stuff God, like that. I would love it if they would put captions on the screen. Right? I it love helps captions. everybody. It really <laughs> helps does. everybody, yeah. And people are like, oh, but it, like, ruins the movie-watching oh experience. God, and it makes it so much better. And if a filmmaker is putting something that far down, on the screen in the middle of the screen like where you wouldn't really even see it anyway because your eyes don't necessarily like look at that part on the screen then like why are they putting something there if it's going to cover it up or like netflix's captions are mm, 
better, I think, than most, although um, a lot of times they're not true to the actual dialogue. They'll kind of, like, paraphrase instead, which is shitty. You can tell when someone got lazy. Yeah, but sometimes, like, if there's credits or something like that, they'll actually move the captions to another place on the screen, which totally works. Um, Yeah, no, everything should be captioned all the time, and it's not. And people get so, like upset when you say like hey actually captions are helpful like like all forms of accessibility generally make everyone's user experience so much better mm-hmm. uh, but anyway <laughs> uh, the studio's first choice to direct this was Robert Zemeckis and that would have been cool that would have been fun right yeah I think he would have done a great job with this uh the film's location manager was a Hawaii resident herself and said that given the state's limited pool of local contractors, uh, contractors proceeded to raise their fees on the production as they knew that they were the only local ones available. That's These contractors smart. ranged from catering to construction for the production. Uh, Peterson said companies knew that they were the only games in town and took advantage given the film's notorious production and its effect on the locals. So like, in addition to them using up all of the steel in Hawaii and like all of this other stuff, apparently it was like a real nightmare for people who actually live there. Um, Peterson ended up moving out of Hawaii after the film wrapped due to her f- affiliation with the film. She was chased oh, out of Hawaii. No. <laughs> I read though too. I don't think you said this yet that it it like was it was briefly good for their economy because they made so many jobs there. Yeah, it added more than $35 million to the state of Hawaii economy, but I think also, like, in the process, kind of turned things upside down, made it I could see how that would also happen. Yeah. Because it's not like, well, like, because Lord of the Rings in New Zealand, like, that's just their economy now, right? (laughs) It's like making those movies. Like It's that that and and extremely rich people who uh, are trying to get like dual citizenship and build their like end of the world houses there. That's their entire economy. I didn't know about that part. Oh yeah, it's a whole thing. (laughs) It's actually pretty crazy. Uh, Why in New Zealand? You know, great question. I'm not sure. I'm sure they have, you know, very specific reasons for it. I think it has something to do with, like, their taxes and the Mm. fact that they're, like, far away from the rest of the world and, you know, all sorts of weird shit. Um, The Mark Isham, or Isham, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name he's a conductor or not a conductor a composer uh whose original score uh was not fully recorded only demos were completed for approximately 25 percent of the film and were then rejected by kevin costner because he said it was too ethnic and bleak i don't know what that means contrasting the film's futuristic and adventurous tone so he offered to try again but was not given the chance and they gave the job to somebody else who actually did it? Good question. Let's I mean, find it just out. sounds like a like a John Williams ripoff. I uh, right? I don't pay attention to the score oh. most of the time. Let's see, James Newton Howard. I'm gonna see what else he did. Oh, he did a lot of things. He's real. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, King Kong, He's Dark Knight, Batman Begins. Woman. 
signs. The Devil's Advocate, that. which we should watch one day just for fun. Who? Oh, that's the Keanu version, right? <laughs> you do a crossover? Yeah, sure. Oh, and Charlize is in that too. Oh, yeah, she is. Real Cage Club Podcast Network super crossover. Um. Yeah, okay. He's Ooh, old. Dante's Peak. Uh, I can't believe that we didn't talk about this in the episode where we were talking about things that we were afraid of as kids. Um, but I got so freaked out in the first 15 minutes of Dante's Peak that I had to leave and throw up and didn't Whoa. go back. <laughs> Wait, I have questions. Yeah. Which movie is that? Dante's Peak is about a volcano. But which volcano? Is there more than one volcano movie? Like, yes, like that this was came the, out there was at exactly... There was like a lot. There was this, and then there was a movie called Volcano, and they came out at like the exact same time. Okay, I think Dante's I can Peak, think of Dante's Peak, starring Pierce Brosnan, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so what happens in the first fifteen minutes? Um, I think there's like a couple who have like found this like little hot spring that they're gonna skinny dip in, and they get into it, and then the volcano starts doing volcano-y things, and then they get boiled to death. <gasps> and that was it for you. That was it for me. How old were you? Uh, 10. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I had this, like, extremely ridiculous, like, extreme fear of volcanoes after that, I think. Um, and now all I want to do is just watch lava videos on Instagram. Is that a thing? Yeah, because there's that volcano in Hawaii that just keeps spewing lava. So there's, like, all of these really great uh, lava videos. Also... There's a Werner Herzog documentary. I forget what it's called, but it's very good. Also about volcanoes. What? So many Werners. I've never seen a Werner Herzog documentary. Oh my god. Or movie. Oh my god. That's I feel like it's a dark secret that I keep. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't tell people that. No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. (laughs) Um... Into the Abyss, maybe? Is that the one? No, that's the one about prisons. Wow, there are a lot of lava flow videos on Instagram. <laughs> They're very soothing. Especially now that I, like, know. Because, like, my way of, like, coping with my extreme fear about volcanoes was to learn as much as possible about mm-hmm. them. And now I'm not afraid of them anymore. Oh, Into the Inferno. It's really, really good. An exploration of active volcanoes around the world. So, um, if you want to watch a Werner Herzog movie, that's a good one. I find it. Is that, is that the one I should start with, though? Um, I mean, I think it's one of his best. If you're gonna. St- I mean, I'm not really like a completist the way that like Joey and Mike are. <laughs> um, but. That one is really good. Uh, Grizzly Man is quite interesting. That's about a man who goes to live I with the grizzly like that's bears. That's the one I'd start with. Yeah, and that's uh, it's not his earliest work, but it's like I think that was when he started getting more notoriety, at least in the U.S. Um, but he's also he also made one of his first ones was uh, Little Dieter Needs to Fly. That's another really interesting one. Um, I 
encounters at the end of the world was also really interesting. I um so I'm on like vacation from life right now. Uh-huh. And it's like mostly to train circus, but I also wish I could take a vacation from life to just like so watch, watch movies. Yeah. To just like watch every single Herzog movie, you know? Yeah. Well, the thing about like him that. that's really interesting is that he is like he's most known for his documentaries, but he's not exclusively a documentary filmmaker. Like he actually made a Nicolas Cage movie. I know. He Bad did. Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. It's on my list. I'll yeah. see it one day. <laughs> he's just a really interesting person to me, Werner Herzog, because he I mean, he puts himself like in his documentaries, and he's very much like a character in the documentary and his um, approach to documentary filmmaking and his style is, has been very influential, I think, for the like major wave of documentary, like really wonderful documentary filmmaking that we've gotten in the last decade or so. Speaking of, have you seen Three Identical Strangers yet? No, but I've heard people talking about it on podcasts. Don't give yourself a migraine. It's not worth going to the theater to see. Yeah. <laughs> but you do need to see it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it sounds extremely interesting. It was fascinating and so upsetting. Mm. It was, like, really crazy. Yeah. Um... It's wild how many, like, documentaries are actually screening in mainstream theaters now. It's great. Yeah, it is great. As a documentary film enthusiast, I agree. Uh, let's, uh, let me get through the last of these boat facts oh, that are not boat actually facts. boat facts. Okay. It's, they're movie facts, but since this is boat cast, I'm calling them boat facts. Uh... Laird Hamilton, who is a famous big wave writer, was Kevin Costner's double for many of the water scenes. Uh, the costume designer John Bloomfield estimated that over 2,000 costumes were made, which is crazy. Uh, there's a really interesting one, and I forget who's wearing it, but because so, so many of the costumes are are patchwork, like they're just like scraps of things that have been sewn together in this post-apocalyptic wasteland and one of them actually integrated um those plastic like six-pack rings which one i don't remember who it was but i just was admiring because that's it. what everything would be made out of right right if we all had to it would live just in be the made water, out of all of the garbage in, that's in the it ocean would just be garbage plastic right yeah yeah yep However, if the ice caps melted, or as the ice caps are melting, which might be more uh, accurate, uh, the oceans would only rise a few hundred feet, not enough to flood civilization into a floating oblivion. However, I would argue that it doesn't need to flood a few hundred feet to cause a post-apocalyptic wasteland. We're already seeing people being displaced, climate refugees in the Marshall Islands and other... Um, you know, land that is uh, being threatened by climate change. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're well on our way to an apocalyptic wasteland, which is cool. Is that why when I started to watch this, you said something to me like about how it was accurate or something? 
well, I don't, I don't know, maybe. I don't remember what we said. I don't remember either. Okay. Um, I would also uh, make a note that if, if, you know, climate change were to progress to the point where every, like, all of the places in the world were flooded, um, the air would be a lot dirtier, I think. <laughs> you know, because there's, like, these beautiful clear skies throughout the whole movie. Some some really beautiful sunset, sunset shots and stuff. Um, and I just feel like there would be a lot more dirt, dirty clouds. Well, but we also don't know how far in the... Like, this is so far in the future yeah. that the people don't even know that land used to exist. Right. So it could have, you know, who knows? Who knows? That's true. By then. True. But there's no, like, there are no trees to, like, filter the That's air true. anymore, you know, so there's the sunken city that the Mariner takes Jean Triplehorn, or Helen, down to um, is actually a digitally edited Denver, Colorado. You can see the Northwest Building. Really? <laughs> yeah, which is roughly shaped like a cash register in one shoot, in one shot. Um... What does he show her down? Is there, like, some big revelation that I missed? Well, that dry land, like, the, this this mythical dry land doesn't exist. All of the dry land is underwater. And so he takes her down. Because, like, in, in this society, like, they don't, all they know is water. They don't know that there used to be land, I guess. You know what I mean? And so no, yeah. he takes her underwater and he shows her, like, this is dry land. It never existed. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I just was like, did I miss something? Like, no. I thought he, like, showed her, like, one thing that was supposed to be, like, some kind of revelation. But it was just the whole thing. Yeah, I think the revelation is just the, like, former civilization. And that is all underwater. Uh, the tattoo on Enola's back is in Chinese traditional characters. Um, and the characters in the middle surrounding the arrow are actually coordinates for longitude and latitude and give the exact coordinates for Mount Everest. Oh. So, Although I feel like, again, this is like something that wouldn't really work. Because, I don't know, that the atmosphere would just have to be very different, I guess. You know, um, one script, which was later rejected, called for a second moon to appear in the sky, uh, intimating that the cataclysm which created Waterworld was actually gravity related rather than global warming. Do they even bother to imply that it was like, there's a political message in this, right? No, there is. I mean, it's... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it's not clear. It doesn't get through very well. But um, so at the, the very beginning, even before Kevin Costner drinks his own piss, um, there's the, you know, the Universal logo. And then you start hearing the voiceover about how something, something, something. Hang on. Let me look it up because I can't remember. Waterworld voiceover intro. It's just every time I try and look something up about this movie, it's just people talking about how bad it is. And it's honestly not actually as bad, I think, as people say it is. 
although you don't agree. Okay, well, I can't find it, but it's like, it's basically like, in a world where the polar ice caps have melted and civilization is under hundreds of feet of water. So they mention that, like, the reason that Waterworld exists is due to human-caused global warming, although they don't necessarily articulate it in the way that we would now in 2018. Um, and then the fact that the smokers live on the Exxon Valdez, which had happened about, the oil spill had happened about six years prior to this movie. So I think that there are elements in there that are like specific, specifically environmental, but it doesn't actually get through very clearly. Because I think Kevin Costner is like a big uh, environmental activist or something. Hmm. Maybe that's why he wanted to make it so bad. Yeah, because there were other like there were other like plot ideas that he had jettisoned because it wasn't, you know. Yeah, if you Google Kevin Costner environmentalist, a bunch of shit comes up. So, there you go. <laughs> I think hey, that's all the bullets. I, I think so. I'm just looking through my notes. Oh, and it, I just wrote down extremely Kevin Costner action star because there are some shots of him in this movie where I'm like, oh my god, come on. Like, this, like, the entire movie was just an excuse to make him look like a super badass. That's why I thought the forward roll was so funny. Yeah. That's clearly what that forward roll was. <laughs> and, and that's, he's just getting started. It's just giving you I know, a that's taste. just his warm-up. Oh, the Nuke the Whales bumper sticker that the um smokers have i don't know if that originates in this movie or was from something else um but um nelson on the simpsons has a nuke the wills poster on his bedroom wall and in that episode where he and lisa like kind of date she like goes over and i was like oh god i didn't even notice it yeah i mean it's not it's not featured prominently um extremely brown wrote that down extremely brown it really was okay yeah that's all i got oh tagline beyond the horizon lies the secret to a new beginning oh i did want to talk about tina majorino i love her she's so good she's the girl that played the little girl in the movie mm-hmm. and she was in um another water related film <laughs> called Andre which was Oh my god she about was a seal. in Andre Yeah I loved that movie That movie didn't even exist anymore in my brain until you just said that it was about a seal right Yep her and her know. friendship with a seal and then she was also in Karina Karina with She's um Whoopi Goldberg that Oh that one made me cry so much It's like oh, Whoopi still, Goldberg she's still and little. Yeah, and then and Ray Liotta plays her dad, and Whoopi Goldberg plays her nanny, I think. Um, and I just remember crying really hard while watching it. Uh, and then she was in Waterworld, and she was in uh, an, a weird TV movie version of Alice in Wonderland in 1999, and then she like took a few years off of acting, and then... She was in Napoleon Dynamite, which is probably where most people would know her from. That's the only other thing I thought I knew her from until you said Andre. Yeah. Did you watch Veronica Mars? 
Yeah, but not the whole thing. I haven't seen the part that she's in, I don't think. Oh, it's so I only good. watched, like, the first season, maybe. Yeah, that's so good. She plays Rana Kamara's, like, technology, good at technology friend. So. That's cool. I like her. Yeah, she's great. But that's all I have. All right, we did it. We did it. I think that does it for Waterworld. Uh, Kara, you got anything you want to plug? Maybe. I don't oh. know. Let's <laughs> I mean, uh, no. see. No, I know that there's something. I don't know. Oh, I was on. Uh, when this comes out, will be this Thursday. Yeah. Okay. So I was on last week's episode of High School Slumber Party with past wistful thinking guest Brian Rodriguez. We talked about The Breakfast Club, classic high school movie. Um, and I think he split it up into two parts. So as on last week's episode, I'll be on tomorrow's episode. So check that out. If you go to cageclub.me slash Cara, C-A-R-A, you can find all of my appearances on Cage Club Podcasts. Um, you can also find me on social media at Bimps and at Bimps.com. And I think that's it. How about you, Jordan? Well, I have a lot less than that, but you can find me on Instagram at PC. Doing cool circus stuff. Um, cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Just lying about what you feel
Coming out